I've got to make a confession to you. I hate waiting. <laughs> I mean, at stores especially, and especially at this time of year, uh, when I just have like one item that I need, and there are people who have their coupons, and they've got all kinds of different items, and they're ordering for other people, and it just takes forever. Also, traffic. I hate waiting in traffic because I always know a better way to get through traffic. And if people would just pay attention and get off their phones and look up and, you know, not uh, sleep through a light or whatever, then we could get we could all get where we're going. And then fast food. Shreveport seems to be worse than any other city in terms of fast food. There is no fast food in Shreveport. (laughs) Uh, and, of course, don't get me started. Once you get your order, as I did last night, it's completely the wrong order, and you don't know till you get home and you figure it out. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, at the elevator, one of the things I always do, even you know, from when I was a kid, I still do it. <coughs> Keep pushing the button, right? Yeah. I mean, it's red, but maybe it doesn't know that it's red. Or, or maybe it just needs a n- little bit more nudge, and it'll come down a little bit faster and get where I need to go. I hate waiting for mail, even uh, with Prime membership. You know, it could be there the next day. I just hate waiting for it. I want it here now. And then the pharmacy. Yeah, yeah, you all feel that pain, don't you? I think nationwide there's just a shortage. People are burned out. Pharmacists are burned out. And you only have one person, and it's called the express line. You only have one person working in the whole pharmacy. And it takes forever. And what I do is... I sigh loudly, you know, like, or I'll make snide comments, and I try to get people going around me. Sometimes at the post office, you're like, what is going on? You know, government, Uh, you know, and you come up with all kinds of uh, statements that you want to say of people around you. Uh, I mean, just to air your grievances, to to see if anybody else is feeling that uh, problem of waiting and and wanting things to just kind of move on a little bit. I mean, I think, based on what I've heard this morning, we all hate waiting, don't we? Uh, There was a statistic I read uh, recently. It said, this was according to a a Timex survey, Americans wait on average of 20 minutes a day for the bus or the train, 32 minutes whenever they visit a doctor, Uh, 28 minutes in security lines whenever they travel. That's probably much higher than that. 21 minutes for a significant other to get ready to go out. That's probably a little low. 13 hours annually waiting on hold for customer service. 38 hours each year waiting in traffic. And those living in big cities wait in traffic more than 50 hours annually. So that's about 37 billion hours each year waiting in line somewhere that human beings spend approximately six months of their lives waiting in line for things. That's pretty sad, isn't it? That is a lot of waiting. And maybe you're feeling that as well. You're waiting for something better. Something better in your life. Maybe you're waiting for someone better to come into your life. A better relationship. Maybe you're just waiting for a new day. You're tired of your past. You're tired of, of, of what has happened in your life and you're ready for a brand new day. Amen. Maybe you're waiting for test results. 
And you're wanting something positive to happen. There are all kinds of things that we wait for. And we don't often know how to wait. At least I don't. I don't know how to wait very well. Well, our scriptures this morning on this first Sunday of Advent all highlight this aspect of waiting. And they all point us, they direct us to how it is that we are to wait. And they give us illustrations of people who did not wait very well, like us. But some things that they were able to do while they were waiting that really helped them. In our Isaiah text, uh, which is just a perfect uh, text uh, for uh, the first Sunday of Advent. Of course, Isaiah is uh, getting word out to Israel as they are waiting in exile. Uh, Jerusalem has been destroyed. Uh, Their temple has been destroyed. It has been taken apart, uh, melted down, and they've been hauled off to Babylon. And as they are in Babylon... They are there roughly about 50 years, we think. And they are full of lament. They're singing the blues over there. If you read some of the Psalms, you'll see. uh, They're like, how can we sing our songs in a new land? Uh, These people don't know us. They don't know our tradition. They don't know what it was like in Jerusalem. They don't know what we miss. And yet they took their harps with them. And they would play. And they would sing these songs. Longing for home. And longing for hope. And in the midst of that, Isaiah speaks to them words of hope. Stay faithful because God is faithful. And he talks about the heavens opening up. And uh, God, if you would just open the heavens. Uh, and I found a picture that looks somewhat like that. Wow. If you would just render the heavens and come down here, God, we know you're up there. But if you would come down here, then things will be better. And we'll be able to get our lives back together and we'll be able to go back to Jerusalem. We'll be able to go back into your temple and to worship you in the way that you want us to worship. And so Isaiah speaks those words. In Mark, we hear Jesus speaking words as well, long after the prophet Isaiah. But Jesus was very familiar with Isaiah. He was also very familiar with how long Israel waits for things. Because constantly they are in and out of this time of waiting. Even though they are in their homeland, they are in Jerusalem, they are waiting once again because the Roman government has control of them and is oppressing them. And so Jesus talks to His people. He talks to Israel. And He says um, that there is a day coming. It's going to be like the stars that are falling from the skies. And it's going to be like this fig tree. And you can pay attention and you can watch and you can keep alert. And he wants them to be ready. He wants them to be awake. Just like in the, uh, the story there where he is saying to them, uh, you, you know, it's like these, uh, this guy goes out of town and he leaves uh, his servants there. And uh, he wants them to be ready for when he comes back. And he wants them to stay awake because he knows they have trouble staying awake. And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And he says, I know y'all are going through a lot of stuff. I know that y'all, many of y'all are being killed because of your faith in Jesus Christ. I know you've got all kinds of issues in your church. Y'all are fighting with each other about different things. But just stay faithful because God is faithful. He reminds them. And Jesus is going to come back. 
And he also tells them to be alert, to be sober, and to stay awake so that they will be ready when that time comes. All of these uh, give us indication about what it is that we are to do and how it is that we can keep hope in our lives. Well, how's that working for you, though? How's it working for each of us as we wait? Do you have any sense of hope? Maybe hoping that the world will be a better place, that there will indeed be peace, peace in the Mideast, peace in Ukraine, uh, peace in Congo and Africa and different places all around our world. How do we have hope when we see so many things going wrong? Well, each of these scriptures, they point us to responding. And I would say first and foremost, to knowing that God is working. In the midst of whatever it is that you're waiting for, just know, based not on what I said, but look throughout scripture and how this happened for all the people that we have uh, read about and we will continue to read about as we go through this time of Advent. That God is working even when we can't see God working. That God is busy doing things, even though we don't understand what God is doing. As Isaiah says at the end of Isaiah 64, Yet, O Lord, that's an important yet. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. And so we are to entrust ourselves to the hands of God and to know that God knows what he's doing as he is taking us as clay and molding us and shaping us. And sometimes it doesn't feel good to get molded or a little bit pinched off or uh, pushed around in different directions. But God is at work and He is shaping us into something beautiful, something that God wants us to be, something that's going to bless the world. And this is a constant kind of thing, isn't it? Just think of yourself as a lump of clay. But you are in the hands of God Almighty. God makes beautiful things. But then also, not only entrusting yourself, and by the way, that's one of the hardest things in the world to do, isn't it? Because we want to take control of our own lives. We want to take control of our own relationships and our own struggles and, and, and all of our worries. And we, we think that if we have control of them, we can feel better about it, but it just makes things worse, doesn't it? It does for me. And we are to entrust those things to God's care. And then finally, staying awake and alert, just like those three uh, that were waiting on the master to come home. And they are doing their best to stay awake. They're keeping their lamps lit and they are watching and they are staying alert. And that's what we're to do when we put ourselves into God's hands. And we say, God, help me. And we pray. Sometimes we just forget to look for the results. We forget to connect the dots and to make connections to say, okay, I see God working here. And one of the best ways to do that is, again, Scripture, because Scripture informs us how God has worked in the past and how God will continue to work in the future. You can find your answers in Scripture. You can find your answers in church with other people who are also uh, going through times of waiting and hoping. And that is how we stick together and grow together. When I was younger, and I'm too old now to sit out in a deer stand in the cold, but I would oftentimes um, be out there and I would hear things 
you know, it's pitch black and you're sitting and you're cold, whether you're in a tree or you're in a stand on the ground, you're waiting for that perfect deer uh, to come along, that big buck to come walking through the woods. And while you're waiting, and oftentimes, like for me, you don't see anything, but you hear things. You hear a little rustling in the leaves. You hear a branch break. Um, You hear a strange noise you've never heard before. And your mind goes crazy. You start thinking, there's somebody out there. There's, uh, it, it's Bigfoot. Bigfoot's coming. And he's going he's gonna to hunt me. And you begin to worry. And you get a little fearful, especially if you're a kid. You're a kid and you know that no one else is around, that your dad dumped you out in the woods somewhere. It's probably off having coffee somewhere. And you get scared. And then the darkness begins to break as the light of the sunrise breaks the dawn and the darkness dissipates. (coughs) And that's the difference it makes when the lights come on fully. As we await in darkness, like people of long ago, looking for a bit of hope, the Scriptures inform us this morning, we find it in Jesus Christ I love the poetry of Amanda Gorman. And in one of her poems, as you'll see the quote in the bulletin, the new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. May we look for that new dawn as we await in hope. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.